Good afternoon. Uh, so as I set up myself, I'll just ask you to turn to your neighbor and ask them what the most interesting thing they learned from the Bible was the past week. I don't lie. In the past week, what was most interesting? Just look for a neighbor. You can be three. You don't need to be alone. Just what, what stood out for you in the Bible? Just share. And if you didn't read your Bible, you be honest. You shall do better next time. All right. So how many of us had neighbors who had something to share? Like your neighbor had something to share from the past week in the Bible. Just very show of hands. Guys, I need your attention. If your neighbor had something to share from the Bible, just raise your hand. No judging. So you guys didn't share? Ah. Are you still sharing? All right. So why, why I chose to start this way was those guys in that tent usually sing Read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. And it's true. Yeah? And I would say the, the opposite is true. If you don't want to grow, don't read your Bible. Yeah? And grow to what? Grow to being the people that God wants you to be, the children that he wants you to be. So every day, <clears throat> do your best to read a verse, read a, a chapter, read, read the Bible. Because... It's the truth in that Bible that is going to save us, that is going to guide us in this journey of life. All right? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for today. As we spend time in this service, God speak to us. In your name I pray. Amen. So I'll just start with two testimonies and one prayer request. First one is, uh, so we have been organizing a wedding for a friend, which happened yesterday. So we are grateful to God that it happened. So they are now married. Uh, the second testimony is, after that wedding, I was dropping a friend somewhere in Kawempe, and on the way back, on my way back, I was driving. Uh, there was a dog that was that crossed the road. So you see, you see a dog, and the sure it has crossed. But I think when it reached halfway in the middle of the road, it realized that there's another car coming faster. So it turned, and when it turned, we met ourselves. So I didn't want to knock it. So I hit the brakes so hard instantly. So I hit the brakes, and another way, car skids. Then I hit it. Then from a distance, I saw it flying, and it fell, then got onto its legs and ran away. So it survived. But the impact obviously missed the car. However, what I'm grateful to God for is it's very easy for you to shock yourself and lose control of the car. Yeah, because 
I, for a second or so, I felt like the car was going in places I was not telling it to go because of the braking. So I'm grateful to God that nothing serious happened. As in a seatbelt. Yeah. So I went, parked somewhere ahead. I saw the damage that had been done. Then I entered and went home. So I thank God that he spared my life. Not so long ago, there is not a first uncle, but there's an uncle who was driving around Kampala parents. Then the car went into a ditch, just into a ditch. And it's a big car. Just that he was not putting on his seatbelt. I don't know what happened. He died. So it didn't have to be complicated, high speed, anything. So I thank God that he spared my life. Then the last one, as I said, is a prayer request. Um, so I have a cousin that we live with, or have lived with him since COVID. His parents split. He didn't have where to go, so my parents told him to come home. So that cousin of mine has been accused of committing a certain crime. Not those crimes of you've blown in my chapena. It's not working. Like a serious crime. And he has been arrested and is in prison. CPS to be exact. And to the best of our knowledge, or as far as what he has told us, he's innocent. He has done nothing that they're accusing him for. But also the gravity of that case is, should he be found guilty? He will spend the rest of his life in prison. Those are the stakes. Like it's not a thing of hey, just a few months, the rest of his life. And what is sad is that it seems to us like the people who took him there have already made relationships with the policemen. So the policemen have not investigated anything. They are cooking up facts, which are not true. So he's in prison. Uh, and one day, we don't know when, he will appear in front of a judge. And the judge will choose or decide whether he, based on the evidence given, he is innocent or guilty. And that decision will have come with consequences. Either he will leave and come back home or spend the rest of his life in prison. So I say, it's a prayer request that God's justice and truth shall prevail because we are confident enough that he didn't do it. So that all we are praying for is that regardless of the systems that we are in, regardless of the corruption, that God's truth shall prevail. Alright? So when you remember, you pray for him. I won't mention names because he's one of us. To draw it closer, he was with us at camp. So he's one of us. So just to pray. Now just to build from that, in the same way, that cousin of mine will get or stand in front of a judge one day for his judgment or his, I don't know the word, but pronouncing whether he's innocent or guilty. The same way, you guys, were you paying attention when you, re, when you affirmed your faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed? He will come again to do what? To judge the living and the dead. He will come back. So it will be one day like this. I don't know when or how many years from now each of us 
will stand in front of a righteous God. This judge that is coming back cannot be corrupted. Yeah? He will judge you rightly and fairly. Yeah? Each of us have that appointment and he's going to judge us. And just like for my cousin, he can either be innocent or guilty. It can't be both. Are we together? It can't be both. In the same way, that one day when we stand in front of the holy God, a just God, there will either be innocence or guilty. Heaven or hell. Because he's a right and just God. All together up to this point. So we shall come back to it. So the topic or the theme for today is the mystery of God. The mystery of Christ. And it's taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. So I'm going to read quickly, kindly follow. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, just follow through with me. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Verse 1. <clears throat> for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to, by the Spirit to God's holy... <coughs> Sorry, verse 5, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body that shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain everyone to ev and and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now those through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. That's the word of the Lord. So the theme for those who are taking notes, the theme for today is uh, the mystery of Christ and the verses that we are going to be focusing on are Ephesians from uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. 
So, how would I summarize what I want to say today? So I'm going to summarize, then we shall get context, then have concluding remarks. What is a mystery? A mystery is something that is impossible to understand. Something that you just can't understand. <laughs> That's a mystery. And what's the mystery of Christ? The mystery of Christ is that though you, a sinner, you know what's in your life. There are places in your hearts that no one has ever reached or can ever reach apart from you. The struggles that you have. Though you are a sinner, though you are a sinner, your judgment can still come out as innocent because of what Christ did on the cross. Verse 6 reads, um, This mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So remember, we have talked about a judge, God, who is going to come back to judge us. The mystery is that even when what you wholly deserve, what you deserve to get, yeah, you have been bad. Yeah? Though you are as bad as you think you are, or even worse, God can still judge you innocent. That's the mystery of Christ. Yeah? And from what we see in verse 6, is that through the gospel, you, the Gentile, can partake of the kingdom of God. That's the summary of this sermon, that it is possible through what Christ has done on the cross, through the gospel, by the power of the gospel, if you are on a one-way route to destruction, destruction being hell, among other things, and all the things that it comes with, though you are on this journey because of your sin, because of the gospel, because of what the gospel has done, it changes your direction. And now you, you can partake of life and glory with God forever. Are you together? So if I'm just go back a bit. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, God created a perfect world, right? After he had created it, he said, everything he saw was good. There's no sickness. There are no heartbreaks. There's no failing school. I don't know if there was school. But he created a perfect world. No global warming. Nothing. It was just perfect. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sin against God. They eat the forbidden fruit. And as a result, sin and all its consequences enter the world. Right? So... Remember God's punishments to Adam and Eve. You will sweat, you will toil, you will have childbirth pains. So any kind of pain entered the world at that point. So we were no longer a perfect world. It was now a sinful world. Yeah? Fast forward, Genesis chapter 12. God meets a man called Abraham. Right? Do you remember God's covenant? 
is Abraham. Father Abraham. Do you guys do those things? So God makes a covenant with Abraham. He tells him that you go to a land I'm going to show you. Your people will be my people. And this, this is the set of things that you are going to do, you and your household and your people are going to do in order to have right standing with me. Yeah? So as a result, people cut goats, they cut rams, they cut cattle for the forgiveness of their sins. Yeah? Then he also gives them customs such as on the eighth day of a child's, a, a boy's, after a boy is born, he will be circumcised and that will be a mark that they have been cleansed in my eye, right? Now together, up to that point. So that starts a journey, or God tells him that through this, your people, the world will be saved, yeah? So everyone who followed after Abraham, his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, people who followed those Jewish customs are the people who we refer to as Jews, God's holy people, chosen so they follow after Abraham. Are you together? Are you together? So now everyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile, meaning unclean. You're a sinner. And as a result, you're not chosen by God. You can't claim to be God's child. Right? So you're either a Jew or a Gentile. So I know that as you read through the scriptures, the terms may come. Gentile, Jew. So I was just trying to give you background of where it all came from. Are we together up to that point? So um, now we come to Ephesians. So we know who a Jew and a Gentile is. A Gentile is unclean. They were really regarded as dirty people who were on a one-way road to destruction because they didn't know God. Yeah? So Ephesians. Just to give you a bit of context, Paul had been, had been with these people before. If you read from Acts chapter 18, 19, 20, you realize that Paul was actually in Ephesus, the city where the Ephesians lived. So he was there before, and he was now writing mail to them. He was writing them a letter to encourage them on this journey of their faith. Yeah? And that was the biggest reason. He wanted to give them this encouragement. Yeah? That, because uh, most of them were predominantly Gentiles. So he was just giving them the assurance or reassuring them of the truths that they are, can actually become one, uh, one church as a result of the gospel or through the gospel. So that's why Paul is writing. Paul is also in prison. Yeah, he's in prison awaiting trial. Uh, and what he had been accused of, he had not done. But also, was a, the case he had is the biggest case that you can ever have in any country, which is not rape, which is not defilement, which is not stealing, treason. You are an enemy to your country. So that's the kind of place he was in. Yes, yeah, so when he Somewhere along the verses you will see, I ask you therefore, don't be discouraged. So that's the kind of state he's in. He's in prison and he's writing to people that he spent three years with. He was with them. So he knew them. He knew some of the elders. And maybe just for your knowledge, 
when we say the church in Ephesus, it's not like All Saints Cathedral, where we all come to one place. So Ephesus was a city. So there were different groups. You know the church is the body of Christ? So there were different groups of people scattered in Ephesus. So when you wrote this letter, it is suggested that it would go to this group, they read it, then the other group, they read it. So that's how uh, they interacted with Paul's letter, because it was male. Anyway, that's just background for your information. <clears throat> so now, Paul, in chapter 3 that we are going to focus on today, he starts by saying that for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of the Jew Gentiles. So, I don't know if any of you have read letters before or received mail before in school, but if the letter starts with, for this reason, I'm not going to be your friend henceforth, you would ask yourself, what reason? You get, right together. So when he starts with, for this reason, that means he has tried to explain the reason in the chapters before. Are we together? So now, just to give you an overview of what Ephesians looks like, so he introduces himself, uh, he just greets the people, but I want to draw our focus to verse 9 of chapter 1, which says, And he made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So the word mystery first appears in chapter 1 before it comes to chapter 3. So there's something, there's something he's building towards. Yeah? So he's telling them about how they have been chosen. You know, uh, He's telling them that it is possible that through this mystery that he's going to explain in chapter 3, through this mystery, you can actually become one with Christ, though you are not a Jew. Are we still together? Remember, Jews are God's holy people. Gentiles are unclean. But now Paul is writing to them and telling them in chapter 1, just in summary, that there's, there's this mystery. I'm going to explain it. That through what Christ has done, we can be one. Jews and Gentiles can be one in the eyes of God. Then chapter 2, so after that, he sort of writes a prayer for them. Then in chapter 2, he just talks about Christ and how we, what Christ did and how we can be one with Christ or one in him. Uh, so that's really what he's doing, yeah? He's getting them, he's building his point, yeah? So for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, for the reason that, you know, there's this Christ, who we can be one in as a result of what he has done on the cross. So, just to focus the conversation or the sermon today, I'll focus on verse 6. Not that the other verses are not important, they are, and I will encourage you to go and study, but verse 6, this mystery is that through the... Yeah, the mystery, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. So now we are back to that thing of where they are. It's either innocent or guilty. They're either Jew or Gentile. And at the time before Christ, if you are not a Jew, and if you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile, yeah? And that means you're 
you are regarded as unclean, you are regarded as not God's person. Yeah? So what Paul is trying to emphasize here is through this thing called the gospel, you who is a Gentile, you who is a sinner, you who has nothing good in them, that may be, I may have overstretched it, but you who is sinful, yeah? You can be forgiven and you can have life in eternity with Christ. So there seems to be this thing that is so impossible to understand and what seems to be at the middle or at the center of it all is this thing called the gospel. That through the gospel, you who is a sinner, you who is a Gentile, you're able to be seen as holy, as righteous in the eyes of God and hence become a partaker of the inheritance that God has for us. Am I still with you? Yeah? So now the next question becomes, what is this gospel? What is this gospel that sort of seems to be the bedrock or at the center of this mystery? What is the gospel? Yeah? What is the gospel? Have you believed the gospel? Because it seems to be the thing in between what we honestly deserve, what, which is punishment, yeah, and pleading guilty, or the repercussions that come with all the sin that we live with. What seems to be in between that and God's forgiveness, his mercy, and life forever with him is this thing called the gospel. This mystery is that through the gospel, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. So what is the gospel? Have you believed the gospel? Oh, you a Jew. Have you believed the gospel? That's a question for you. And if you have believed the gospel, what gospel have you believed? Quickly, allow me turn us to <coughs> First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. So we read, you don't need to. First Corinthians 15, he reads, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. If, if there's a thing that we need to believe in, this is the gospel through which you, a Gentile, can become an heir of the inheritance of God. The Bible teaches us that there is no atonement for sins except by the shedding of blood. So that means for every sin 
that exists for every sin that we have committed. If we would ever be forgiven, there must be blood shed somewhere. And our blood is not sufficient to cleanse us. So that's why in the Old Testament, they would have that annual, where they would kill cows to shed blood so that people's sins are forgiven. Yeah? But now Christ has come, the perfect offering, because blood needs to be shed. So God has come himself and laid his, and laid his life down, shed that blood for us so that we are cleansed, so that our sins are cleansed. All together. And now, what Paul is writing to the, Ephesian, to the church in Ephesus is what you need to do, you the Gentile, if you want to have right standing with God, is believe that Christ did it. Believe that Christ died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. Hold on to that word. Believe it. And then you will be partakers in the kingdom of God. You will become heirs the kingdom of God. It's at this point that I will probably remind us of the fact that this is not home. We are not home on this earth, in this world where God has placed us now. This is not, this is not it. Yeah? There is a life beyond now. We are ambassadors of God. He has sent us to the world for only a short time and we return to him in glory. We return him, to him in a place that looks like Eden, a place where there is no sin, there is no sickness. So this is not home. Are we together? This is not home. We have not arrived. Yeah? So, <coughs> sorry. So, Paul is writing to these people just to encourage them yet again that though, yes, you deserve, you're by nature an object of wrath. By nature, you deserve to be punished for the sins that you have committed and com continue to commit. Through this gospel, if you believe that Christ came and died for your sins, for the penalty, for the consequences of your sins, you do not have to suffer. You, know, you do not have to pay. You do not have to shed your own blood, what you need to do is to believe in that gospel. Hold firm unto it, and you will be forgiven. And that is the mystery of Christ. That is the mystery of Christ. Take it, you're in school, and the rules are clear. That if you're found cheating in an exam, your, will, your paper will be confiscated and you will be expelled from the school. And it is clear. So this day they find someone cheating and the rules are clear. Yeah? However, for some reason, they go to the headmaster's office and he says, you're forgiven. In fact, you're going to be given another chance to do the paper and it is marked, blah, 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 blah. It will sound mysterious, especially if it is a place where it's either... Right or wrong, you get, if they follow the rules. So if they follow the rules as they should, you should be expelled. But the mystery here, some, what you can't understand, what you can't put your head around is that you'll see the guy in school the next time. So the mystery of God is because of our sin. For the wages of sin is 
is death. So what we, do you know a wage? After you've done work, when you're paid, it's a wage. So they are giving you what you deserve. So what you deserve as a result of your sin is death. That's what you deserve. Yeah? That's what you deserve. However, through this thing called the gospel, you can have life and have it in its fullness. What do you need to do? Believe that that gospel is true and hold on to it. Hold on to it. Believe that Christ came and died for your sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's the mystery of Christ, that you can be right with him, though you have done so much, so much, if you've messed up so bad, you can still be right in his eyes through the gospel. What you need to do is believe believe that he did it for you on the cross. And I think it's just important for me to mention that when you believe the gospel, it's not a one isolated incident in that, ah, I have believed, that's it. So your life has to change. There are certain decisions that need to change. When you believe that Christ has indeed made it possible for you to have life, though you deserve death, He calls you to change your life. He calls you to continually, continually, day by day, be better. Get into his word. Learn what he's telling us to do or not to do. Continue to pray. You can't be the same. You get? So in as much, the mystery is that you can be right. Everyone, once you're right with God, you can't keep on living in darkness. There has to be a change in how you are living your life. And probably as I conclude, in chapter one of Ephesians, which I think was covered three weeks ago, is that when you believe this gospel, then you are marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit living in you. So you have a helper inside you, God's very presence living on the inside of you that helps you to live a life that is honoring to him. So you're not doing it on your own. He gives you a help. He gives you help to continue to walk in a way that pleases him. And do you know why? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are those pure in heart, for they will see God. So if you're not pure, you will not see God. If you're not changing the way in which you're living your life, you won't see God. So what's the mystery? As I, as I summarize we are born into sin. We are all Gentiles by nature. And what we deserve as a result of our sin, as a result of the way we have been living our lives, places that are dark that you only know, the wages of that, what we deserve is to die. And that death is being forever, forever away from God. That's what we deserve. And remember that all, things, all good things come from God. So if God is not there, there is actually nothing good in your life. That though by nature we deserve to die, 
through this gospel, through the fact that Jesus has come and died for you on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again, through that gospel, you can become heirs of God in heaven. That's the mystery of Christ. And what's the, and what's the thing between what you deserve and life? The gospel. Have you believed the gospel? And is this the gospel that you have believed, that Christ has died for you? And when he calls, and when he dies for you and calls you to himself, he demands that you give your life to him fully. You cannot keep on living life as you so please. You can't. You just can't. But also because he knows you are unable to do it in your own strength, he gives you the Holy Spirit, his help inside of you to help you live a life that is pleasing to him. Praise the Lord. Are we together to the end? We are going to pray. And um, I want you to pray as an individual, really. Um, just reflect on this mystery, this mystery of Christ. Has it had any impact of, on you? Have you been aware of this mystery? Have you been aware of the fact that by nature, what you deserve is that when the judge comes back to judge the living and the dead, if you have not heard the gospel, if you have not received the gospel, if you have not believed in the gospel, if you have not held onto the gospel, what that judge is going to say is that you are guilty and away from me. That's what you deserve. Have we been aware of that fact that if we do not or if you have not believed in the gospel, we are on a one-way train to destruction? <coughs> so if you believe, if it has made sense to you today, just pray to God and tell him, I believe. I believe that indeed you came and died for my sins. I believe that I am now holy. I am now clean because of what Christ has done for me. Just tell him you believe, you believe, you believe. Because it's only through this gospel. It's only through the gospel. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Friends, it can only be through this gospel. The only way this mystery adds up, the only way this mystery makes sense is through the gospel. The only way you can be, the only way you can have life, even though, you des even though what you deserve is death, total separation from God. The only thing that can change that position is the gospel. You believing in it, you holding firm onto it, and you choosing every single day to make God Lord of your life. Making your decisions not because you want, but because it pleases God. 
but also maybe maybe you have once heard the gospel, you have once believed the gospel, but you've remained in sin. Your life has not changed much. The struggles are there. I'm just here to encourage you um, that as just like when we are walking, if you're putting on a shoe, you've just polished it, and you go to a place with dust or mud, that dust or mud does not stop you from continuing to your destination. You stop, clean it off, and continue. In the same way, even though you have listened or heard the gospel, but still somehow you feel you've stepped into that sin has had a hang of you, a hold of you, it's possible to clean it off and continue to journey in this life until we are reunited together with Christ in glory. So if you're that person, just to confess, just tell God I've struggled. And also offer to repent that you're going to, from this day forward, change you're going to look away. You're going to turn away from that sin. Tell God that I want to do better. I want to be better because I want to partake of this inheritance that you've kept for your children. Lord, I thank you because, because of the mystery something that is hard, impossible for me to understand. That I deserve to be guilty. I deserve no favor in your eyes. I deserve nothing good from you. But through the gospel, through the work on the cross, through the work on the cross, O oh Lord, I can now partake, I can now be part of the inheritance with your children. I can now be, I am now an, an heir in your kingdom. I thank you for that mystery. I thank you for the work on the cross. I thank you, O oh God. Father, help us in this place. Help us to live lives that are honoring to you. Help us believe that gospel every single day. Help us hold onto that gospel every single day of our lives because it is that gospel that saves. Nothing else. It's not the things that you do or don't do. It's not the fact that you come to church or you don't. It's not the fact that you got for the most fellowships or not. What saves us? What gives us access to this inheritance of the Father is the gospel. Lord, help us hold on to that gospel. Help us. I thank you, God. I bless your holy name and it's your mighty name that I do pray and believe.